Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. We have entered the month of December. This is it. Four-ish weeks to go and 2020 will be behind all of us. And uh, we here at Online Warriors and probably everybody else in the world cannot wait for that. I am Illegal86 and I am of course joined as always by Tactic and Nerd Bomber this week appearing in different rooms for the first time. First time ever? That can't be true. I think so, yeah. Wild times on the podcast. Hatched um, at the hip, usually. Well, so I, I want to clarify something uh, that we also clarified for our secret segment listeners. Uh, Tactic is not in the doghouse. Uh, and actually, Tactic clarified it in that segment, but I want to clarify it here, get ahead of it. Tactic's not in the doghouse. They're just in separate rooms. They're just, we're, just, we're constantly innovating here at the Online Warriors podcast, trying to figure out new and unique ways to brighten up the experience. In this case, it happens to be recording in separate rooms. I have no idea what effect that will have on the overall quality of the broadcast. But we are here. And as always, we have some news to run through as we enter December. Kadabra is a Pokemon that you may remember that hasn't been around for a while because there were legal disputes. Imagine there being legal disputes over a Pokemon. Well, it happened. And there's some updates on that. So we'll get to that there's also an update on the is it called super nintendo world i believe it is which we talked about that many episodes ago that might have been over the summer we talked about super nintendo world it's been under construction in japan for a while but they're prepping to open a little bit earlier than expected so we'll talk about that and then of course we're gonna be talking about this thing you probably heard about because i heard about it and i live under a rock the crown on netflix is stirring up some controversy i'll say over across the pond in the uk shout out, shout out to all our uk listeners we'll be talking specifically to you at one point during this episode but let's start with with some pokemon we all love pokemon this is this is a nerd podcast of course we've talked about pokemon many many times and i'm sure we will again Kadabra, as i mentioned this is a pokemon that i believe was on the original incarnation of the show i certainly remember the card which i believe was he's an original 150 yes Someone help me. Tactic yeah, original 150? Original yeah. 150, okay. yeah. OG. That was a shameful question. OG. Now, back in the day, we're talking like the year 2000. I went to the year 2000. Thank you for that. <laughs> Let's go back there. Let's go back to that time that you just heard about. Yuri Geller, not to be confused with Monica or Ross Geller from the show Friends. Uh, this is a magician and illusionist who, at the time sued nintendo in a california court for the cadaver pokemon card alleging that the company used his likeness to create the character now let's just pause right there <laughs> before we get into the details and the update does cadaver look like anybody cadaver looks like a, a pokemon to me so initially when spoon. i was reading this article and when i heard about this i did not think i was i thought the same thing you did like this doesn't look like a person so this is silly but when you delve into some of the details and everything, like he's got the spoon thing going on. I think this magician had a picture of him holding a bent spoon because that was like his magic shtick. That's his big trick, yeah. The and there's trick. even like in the picture with the spoon, he's wearing this like furry shawl thing around his shoulders and Kadavra is wearing a furry shawl thing around his shoulders, kind of. And especially when you get into like the Japanese name of the Pokemon basically being his name. Oh, is it? it it kind of feels like they definitely did rip him off for sure. What is the Japanese name? I didn't know that. What's the Japanese name of the po of the Pokemon? Do we have that data handy? Is it just Yuri Geller? <laughs> they just steal his name entirely? The Japanese name for Kadabra is Yungera. Okay, yeah, they stole it. All right, you got you turned me around on this one. I thought this was ridiculous. I mean, okay, I still think it's a little ridiculous. So 
the news here. I mean, this all happened back in 2000, but the news broke over the weekend. Yuri Geller, who's, you know, still kicking, tweeted, I never realized how powerful and important it was for me to lift the ban. So, okay, that's actually not the first tweet. He tweeted previously basically saying, I'm lifting the, the ban. The result of this lawsuit evidently was Kadabra kind of dropped off the face of the earth in terms of Pokemon. He's a Pokemon you don't see much of because of this legal dispute. And he tweeted, and I have the actual tweet in front of me. I am truly sorry for what I did 20 years ago. Kids and grownups, I am releasing the ban. It's now all up to Nintendo to bring my Kadabra Pokemon card back. Interesting word choice there. My Kadabra Pokemon card. That's interesting. It will probably be one of the rarest cards now. Much energy and love to all. So I this is very interesting. I mean, I don't understand what could have changed that now after 20 years, he's decided... I don't know, maybe to just curry favor, harvest goodwill by saying, okay, Kadabra is back. You're welcome. You know, it's also just very interesting that this whole thing happened in the first place. I don't know, especially now after hearing all the stuff that Nerbomber told me, I don't know who's at fault here. So I'll open the floor up. Tactic, you've been awfully quiet. I mean, I think Yuri's at fault. Grow up. I mean, (laughs) it should be an honor, right? It's 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 a likeness. It's not they're not profiting off of things he does. It's it's just a similarity and and in my opinion there there is no real legal grounding because it's different enough where it's not kind of any kind of infringement in my opinion. The other thing is and why I tell him to grow up and I'm so adamant about this is because I was personally attacked by this. For those of you who don't know, Alakazam is my top 6. I work very hard to catch an Abra in Cerulean City. And I train him, and then I get a friend, and they trade, and then we trade back, and then it's an Alakazam. And I'm very happy about it. And that said, I always like to collect the cards that reflect my top six in the games of the original 150. And and I'm talking all different variations. As you go to different types of packs and things like that, I like the different versions of the characters. And because of this, I have been shy in Alakazam for a very long time. Right. So it hurt me personally. And I do not do not like it. A lot of Dragonites, which big fan. You guys know I'm a big fan of Dragonite, but not a lot of Cadabras. And I can get the other evolutions, but then you can't. You're always in a gap. And if I wanted to ever play Alakazam, I can't because I'm shy on Cadabras. So I'm really excited that this was done. It doesn't really matter as far as rare rarity because they're just going to pump out a million copies of Kadabra so the new cards won't be rare. If anything, if he kept his mouth shut, the old ones would have been rare. Okay, so you but, think Nintendo's response is going to be... Yeah, just flood okay, the market. Okay, get it, get it back out there. I mean, I, I don't know to what extent... And this kind of depends on Nintendo's... or what Depends on Pokemon's demographic here. I mean, a lot of kids might not know who could... It sounds like he's been blackballed no, entirely. So a lot of kids... No don't know who Kadabra is so you know nintendo could take hold of this and say that we're releasing a new pokemon when in actuality it's a pokemon that already existed but to a lot of people it's new but there's also probably a lot of people like you who have felt deprived i feel like marty mcfly kids are gonna be like what do you mean it's new i'm gonna be like no it's not new well right. i mean well, they yeah. didn't get rid of him in the video games i'm pretty sure they no, still that, that, that's used why, him that's why i said i was saying no but i, I just thought i'd make a mcfly joke Okay, so it's just the cards? Yeah. Yeah, it's just the cards. Which to me begs the question, how the cards are still a big deal, I guess. The cards are actually a really big deal. They're quite valuable. And it's probably why. So like his inclusion in the TV show and the game, honestly, like Kadabra's not the biggest element of either of those two mediums. But the cards, those individual cards actually sell for a decent amount of money. So that's probably he was probably aiming to get 
some kind of royalty or something. And Pokemon was just like, how about no? Because so it's actually also really interesting is that he's not the only one. And the other evolutions are Abra and Alakazam, as Tectic said. And those Japanese names for those Pokemon are also named after famous magicians. So Abra's Japanese name is Casey, which is a reference to Edgar Case, who is apparently a magician. And then Alakazam's is Fudin, which is a nod to Harry Houdini. So, I mean, he's in decent company. It is like it's not a direct... I just I don't think he's right here because like it's not direct enough of a comparison. Like it kind of looks like you. There's there's a, a little bit of a name, obviously similarity there, but like I don't know, man. It's very I, and strange. Let's be honest. They're not. He's not really bending spoons. They're really bending spoons. Well, so and I I want to I want to touch on that. I mean, I'm still I was looking for that tweet. I'm still on his Twitter feed. His whole thing based on the Twitter feed is bending spoons. Like his pinned tweet is just like I can bend spoons. His Twitter description is I originated spoon bending like it's that's his whole thing so I have to think that that specific talent might be it might not be the likeness so much as it's that specific talent is very tied up in this I guess but it, it's you know Kadabra doesn't even bend spoons he's just, he just holding spoons right it's so I don't know I also think it's very interesting that he seems to have it seems like what he's trying to accomplish is turn this around on nintendo like he has a tweet here from the 20th of november so a while before this news broke the pokemon company lift the ban on cadabra in the pokemon merchandise sign the petition it's almost like he's trying to spin it as though it wasn't his fault and it was nintendo's fault that like and he's like feeling that he's like joining everyone who's deprived of cadabra and being like yeah we should bring cadabra like it's almost like he started on one side and then slowly without anyone looking switched to the other side and it's very fascinating to me. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know where that leaves us with this news topic. I guess it's just be on the lookout for some ca- new Kadabra Pokemon cards. Um, My favorite thing out of all of this, and I don't know how, how much you guys perused his Twitter, but he has a video posted where he's like, I'm so sorry for, for what I did 20 years ago and... I'm releasing the ban and then he's going through the suitcase and he it looks like he's collected literally every Kadabra product that Pokemon ever put out and in the background he has a van that is just covered decorated and covered in spoons and like there's nothing wrong with that I guess but it's just interesting like he clearly has followed all of these products and was super intense about this right this isn't the point but like imagine your life revolving around spoons that much like this guy must hey, see spoons in his sleep. Some people collect spoons. I'm not one of them, but some people do collect spoons. It's like a you, there's a big spoon antique market out there. Have you ever seen the people who play spoons like on their kneecap? You know that thing? No, I haven't. You don't know? Tactic, do you know about this? No. Oh, oh guys, you got to look this up. There's a, okay. Shout out to the Twitterverse. This is a perfect opportunity. If you've seen people playing spoons like on their knee, this is a thing, guys. Shout us out. I mean, hit us up on Twitter. Tell tell Nerd Bomber and Tactic about it. At OW Six is is my handle. We have at OW Tactic, at OW Nerd Bomber, at Online Warriors One. Tell them about spoon. I don't know. It's the art of playing spoons, I guess, is what you would call it. But um, even better, also, if you're a yeah. spoon player, we would like to have you Ooh. on the show. You know what? Yes, invitation extended. If any of you play spoons and not the card game, because that's also a spoons thing. I'm talking if you can play spoons like it's like on your knee. It's like a weird that you just got to look up videos. Reach out to us. We'd love to have you on the show. 
but also let us know how you feel about about this cadaver snafu whose side are you on what you're hoping for nintendo to do because i guess seems like the ball is kind of in their court right now yeah i mean i I guess we'll we'll see what happens but a very interesting bit of news from from nerddom i guess we'll stick with nintendo here and we will move into our next item which has to do with super nintendo world now as i said before we talked about this on the show months ago and especially considering what was happening in the world with COVID and everything, it seems like it was a ways off. But there has been some surprise news. This Super Nintendo World, which is, of course, a theme park totally dedicated to Nintendo and very, you know, obviously Nintendo themed, it will be opening in Osaka on February 4th of 2021. Now, the earliest expected launch date was spring sometime. And contrary to what the Groundhog would have you believe, February 4th is not spring. So this is, you know, Uh, an early announcement and uh, on top of that announcement they provided some details nintendo has on one of the park's flagship attractions which is a mario kart themed ar enhanced roller coaster so i have a picture in front of me here of the you okay so picture mario's hat and picture over the brim of the hat there are some ar glasses i guess is what they are you put that on you get on a roller coaster and you zoom around as though you're playing mario kart i would assume and you're probably encountering various characters in the Nintendo universe, Donkey Kong, Mario, Peach, etc. So there's a lot to unpack here. I mean, of course, this is going to be a park that's debuting in the time of COVID. I mean, it's not going to be gone in February. They're, they're already saying, you know, 50% capacity. But what is a theme park opening, especially for one as high profile as Nintendo world? You know, what does that look like in the time of COVID? There's a lot of questions, but I guess to start things off, I mean, would you are you booking tickets to Japan for I this? Mean- if we leave the country, I don't think we can get back in right now. Come back. Yeah, you, right? you live in Nintendo World. After if, if you book it and you go, that's where you live, which maybe you like that. Maybe that's what you want. So I'm kind of sad that they didn't make like a an augmented reality bumper car or like basically a go-kart arena. I don't want this in the form of a roller coaster. Right. As you guys know, I've never been on a roller coaster outside of like some of the Disney ones, but none of like the big Disney ones, like mostly small ones. I don't really like roller coasters. The Same. heights freak me out, man. I just, oh, I, love I don't feel safe. I don't like it. So, and I, as this is as an engineer. So like, I know all of the design methodology that goes into creating roller coasters, but then I also know people who have worked on roller coasters and that's equally as frightening. So with that in mind, I just wanted, like, they should have made a giant go-kart bumper car thing. Think about how fun that would have been. Kart racers. I'm sure they have a kart race racetrack in there, and I think this is just something that they found was, like, really theme park-esque. Because hear me out. You you get some of these smaller game Dave and Buster's type facilities that have a kart racetrack, and it's really not theme park-esque. I think they needed to show a roller coaster to really show that hey this is a, a means business theme park so don't don't lose your hopes yet on just the fact that you're seeing a roller coaster imagine how cool bumper cars i mean imagine that you could drop banana peels and then other people could see the banana peels on the ar and if they run into them the bumper car spins out like oh man there's so many potential opportunities with that but you know this is kind of leads me into you know I, there's the news of course is that this park is opening and this is what one of the rides is but Let's talk about this. Let's open into discussion more like, you know, if you if you got one ride in this park based on a Nintendo property, what do you want it to be? What character do you want to be involved? What what do you want the actual ride itself? Do you want a roller coaster? Do you want bumper cars? Do you want a tilt-a-whirl? I don't know. 
So for me, I want. Have you if you've been to Disney World and the Buzz Lightyear dealio, where they oh, yeah, where that's so shoot, awesome. We were shooting stuff. Obviously, it's very video gamey to begin with. And Luigi's Mansion. So you're going with this? It, it's the, it's Metroid. That's a Metroid situation. Metroid is a dungeon crawler shooty game that I think would lend itself very well to. Okay, you're in, you know, something something that looks like Samus's ship. And you have an arm cannon of some kind, and you're shooting stuff. I mean, it's very straightforward. I see Metroid being more of like, not a roller coaster, but like the Spider-Man ride in Universal where it takes you through scenes. The shooting one, like in Toy Story, I actually see being more of a, like a Luigi's Mansion type. That would work too. Um, yeah. Right. That, that would totally work. See, Luigi's Mansion though, like you could have a like a haunted mansion situation there. I mean, it's, the ghost could pull the cart around the way that the ghost pull around Luigi with his, you know, vacuum. This is, I guess, the point at this stage is like there's clearly a lot of IP that's very ride friendly that can be drawn upon. But I'll, I'll turn it over to one of you. I, of course, would want something Metroid because I'm a Metroid guy. But you know, what about what about you guys? Where where does your deepest darkest fantasy with this deep theme park lie? So I know we just came off the heels of talking about Pokemon. But my two, and I have two, both kind of revolve around the Pokemon world. And I know that the Nintendo bank of IPs is much bigger than that. That's fine. But my two ideas. Do you guys know Soren in Disney? Of course. Mm -hmm. I wrote Soren. Okay. Something like that, but you're riding on the wings of a Charizard going over the Kanto region of Pokemon. So that's my first idea. I think that would be dope. You could see all of the like herds of Pokemon below you and see like swoop out over gyms and stuff like that and all the iconic things that we've seen in the TV show and the movies and all that kind of stuff. So that'd be the first. Second one would be a giant AR arena where you and another person would face off or maybe it would even be two actors or someone facing off in an arena and maybe you would just be like a spectator kind of like in Disney's Indiana Jones type deals or medieval times and you would get to see a Pokemon battle and you would have holographic or maybe even mechanical depending on whether you're the one in charge or if it's just like a stage show type thing. Basically seeing a real live Pokemon battle in a giant arena. I think that would be totally badass. I would love that. Oh man. You could do it. You could crowdsource it. So like Twitch plays Pokemon where there's a Pokemon battle, but the audience all has little gamepad things and they pick the moves that the Pokemon. Dude, yes, absolutely. I love that. This would be like a medieval times. Oh man, that's a, I thought you were going to say Pokemon snap and that ride's basically done. But this is a much When you better. said arena, I thought you were going to do that splat game, that paint game. I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on Splatoon. what the name is. Splatoon. Yeah. I thought you were going to do like almost like a paintball thing. That's a good idea too. This is, but that's not that's not where I'm all in on. Well, go ahead. So feel free to make fun of me, but the thing that I'm all in on with this park would be the food courts. Oh yeah. First and foremost, the the first thing that comes to mind with regards to food courts that I think you can really give a fun experience would be with Link looking for Ruples. So you can have like you ever see those desserts that are like in a in like a chocolate ball or something. Yeah, of course. Instead of in a chocolate ball, it can be in a vase, which Link is notorious for breaking looking for ruples. That would be a great thing. You have all of the delicious food that is seen in the Pokemon show, like those rice balls and and the famous stew that Brock made. There's so many opportunities there. And then there's just a, there, there's a Donkey Kong restaurant that's just bananas. They only sell bananas. Banana splits? I mean Yeah. When I'm just 
whenever my mind goes to like a fantasy world, it goes immediately to food. And, to and feel food. free to <laughs> feel free to call me call me a fat ass. That's fine. I just am a very food oriented person, and I love having fun with my food. Yeah, you're 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 a foodie. That's totally that's totally reasonable. That wasn't what I was expecting you to say, to be honest. But what were you expecting? I don't know what I was expecting, but I honestly, when I'm thinking about amusement parks, the la- and even this even goes for Disney, which Disney has some good food. The last thing I think about is the food. I mean, there's the first thing I think about. Where can I eat? There's just so much, and again, that's my takeaway from this conversation: is like there's there's franchises we haven't even touched yet. Like there's so much you can do. Like Animal Crossing, I've never played it. I don't know if there's anything, but just the theming of I mean, that. there's Animal Crossing, there's Fire Emblem, there's basically the entire cast and crew of Smash. Right. It's just, it's so deep, the right. content. And you there's, could I, hide like little amiibos around the amusement park. Kind of like, I don't know, Harry I, I feel Potter like I've referenced Disney World a lot. I have never been to Harry Potter World, which makes me sad. I want to go someday. It's a- um but I know like in Epcot, there's like things that you collect when you go to each world. So like maybe you could get like a different amiibo at each world or something like that. That would be fun. Well, like Harry Potter World has these interactive, if you buy a wand at Ollivander's and if it has a certain, if it has like an infrared tip on it, then you can walk it around to different parts of Harry Potter World and you look for little plaques and the plaques have wand motions on them and words that you're supposed to say. And the words I don't think matter, but if you move the infrared tip of the wand in a certain way, something in the environment reacts to it. Like if you win Guardian Liviosa something and it, 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 it flies, basically. It's unbelievable. And like there's definitely a similar route you could take in Super Nintendo World that would involve some kind of... You could buy a, a controller or something that has some sort of infrared... I'm not an, I mean, I'm, I am an engineer, but I'm not a theme park engineer. But you buy some little widget that you walk around with that in certain sections of the park even the Donkey Kong section you can hit A and Diddy Kong will eat a banana you know stuff like that like it's not just two things need to happen for sure one I need to be able to stop on a Goomba or turtle shell right and two I need to be able to go through a green pipe if there is not a single green pipe I will be disappointed right see there has to be duck hunt somewhere too but but, and this is my point is that all the things we're talking about and Tactic you kind of spurred this with the food too like when I think of Disney World and when I think of Harry Potter world yes the rides there are great but like the reason those parks are what they are and are as is successful the as they are is, is the, the immersive world it's is the surrounding world and nintendo has just as rich a world to draw from as we've noted but man I'm you gonna... know what i'm saying it now i am going to make a vase with rupal in it dessert and i will record it not anytime soon because i have to figure out how the heck to do that but i will do it I'm saying it now you're can't first, stop thinking about he's, it he's committed to some time doing this <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see we'll keep you updated but yeah this this got me like i think it's interesting like when we first talked about super nintendo world it was such an ephemeral concept and like it was so far off that i didn't think too much about just how cool it could be but like man and and, and like i said too with the pokemon snap ride like there's so much low-hanging fruit like half of video games are rides star fox right. that's a ride like it's already a ride it's done you know so it's it's very interesting to me you know um f-zero that's is that nintendo yeah uh, yeah that's that's right there's so many rides that are already done like whoever first thought of this idea should be a, a millionaire not a billionaire because i don't think billionaires should exist but they should be millionaires it's there's so much merchandising potential there's so much 
like you said, the, the food, there's so much food potential. There's so much ride potential. Uh, Even when I'm thinking like parades and characters that you can meet throughout the park, there are just so many. I mean, literally not to bring up amiibos again, but think about how many different amiibos there are that exist. And each one of those right. could be a character walking around Nintendo World. Right. It's, the only thing that makes me sad, like I want one in America, North America somewhere. It can be even Canada. I don't care. I'll go. I would think, I mean, look, Disney World, Disney has parks in America and in China and in Japan and in Europe, I believe. I would imagine Japan is the pilot program, which to me will inevitably be successful. And Nintendo World will set up shop in, in America. So, I mean, look, I'm a huge Lego fan, but Nintendo World should exist before Legoland. And like Legoland already exists. So I'm, my point is get Nintendo World in here. We're ready for it. So again, shout out to the Twitter sphere. What ride or attraction or food do you want to see in Super Nintendo World? Whether it be from your favorite game or not your favorite game, just a game that you think would lend itself well to a theme park experience. We want to know. At Online Warriors 1, at OWLeague 86, at OW Tactic, at OW Nerd Bomber, hit us up there. When we come back from the break, we are going to talk about the crown. But before we do that and before we go to the break, I have to shout out our fantastic patreon producer mr ben checkness ben thanks to you again uh, for being with us on the show i think now it's two weeks ago it feels like yesterday but uh for being on the show with us and for continuing to support us along with the other patreon subscribers uh ben is a producer so ben gets this producer shout out he gets input into our weekly game segment which nerd bomber will be administering this week and of course he gets access to the monthly secret segment and vlog ben supports us at the night level on patreon but there is also a squire level which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog or a page level which gets you access to the monthly secret segment so if you want more of the details on that you can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast so for more of the details head there patreon.com slash online warriors podcast thanks again to ben and we will be right back after this short message from one of our sponsors have you been thinking about a film for quite some time now have you got nowhere to turn to to talk about it well the film for thought podcast is here for you every fortnight i invite a guest on to talk about any film of their choice it could be old or new controversial or classic if you have some thoughts about films i want to discuss them New episodes drop every second Friday, so make sure to come along and check out the Film for Fault podcast. Today's episode is presented by Purple Carrot. Purple Carrot is the plant-based subscription meal kit that makes it easy to cook irresistible meals to fuel your body. Each week, choose from an expansive and delicious menu of dinners, lunches, breakfasts, and snacks. Every box is an opportunity to learn and experience something new with easy recipes and fresh pre-portioned ingredients. No shopping, no food waste, just globally inspired, restaurant-quality, plant-based meals. Get $30 off your first box by going to purplecarrot.com and entering code PODGO30 at checkout today. That's P-O-D-G-O-30 for $30 off your first Purple Carrot box. Purple Carrot, the easiest way to eat more plants. All right. We are back, and we are here to talk about The Crown, which I have not watched The Crown. I don't think either of you have watched The Crown. Nonetheless, we're going to soldier on and talk about it because it's been coming up in the news, specifically on my Twitter feed a lot this week, but also just kind of in the news in general. I have an article in front of me from CNN, which is a news source. So the long and short of it is this. The Crown is a historical drama specifically a royal drama because it surrounds the royal family and the uk's culture secretary has called on netflix 
to put a disclaimer at the start of episodes of the crown telling viewers that it's a work of fiction now this is very interesting i mean there's a lot of questions here one what are there a lot of people who are mistaking this as fact i would be surprised if that were the case two how much does this show deviate from fact or does it make any claims that it won't and three you know this is an interesting case of blurring the lines between fiction and and reality and there are certainly other shows where this has happened but it doesn't seem like it's as critical that it be uh, you know announced as a work of fiction you know this isn't south park where they have to say that at the end at the beginning of every episode so i just think this is very interesting i mean you have so many shows on tv now and on netflix you know you have shows about vikings shows about the civil war shows about there's almost every show takes place in a time period that's not now and granted i don't know how often they deal with real historical entities like the royal family but it doesn't not happen like it, it's not it's not like it's never happened so i just i think it's very interesting that the uk's culture secretary is just now saying with regards to this specific show whoa 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 you know this needs a disclaimer do you guys think that netflix's viewers are discerning enough to not take this show at face value to me it seems like a clear work of fiction i don't think it needs a disclaimer but maybe you could turn you could turn me around on this like you turned me around on the cadaver thing i'm gonna be honest people are dumb (laughs) good start good start i'm I'm just throwing that out there but not our listeners our listeners are all extremely smart i mean even like i'm dumb sometimes let's be real like have you ever read something that's totally just really stupid or like one of you guys will tell me something and i'm just my first reaction is like really because i just instantly just kind of go with it and i think for something like this this series does deal with a a family that is super revered i think i'm not british so i can't i guess speak for them but wait, it wait, seems wait, wait, like wait, wait. A, you're not british <laughs> no not at all oh my god i can't even do a british accent like i can't even i can't even fathom what that sounds like in my head to be totally honest but like they this family is super revered and a lot of the people that are interpreted in this series or even like kind of even slightly remotely related to this family are still alive. Like it, it, a lot of the stuff is pretty fresh. So I feel like I understand why they wanted this disclaimer to be put out there. And I think, didn't this come off the heels of one of the princes? I don't remember which one, but saying that they're not super keen to watch their life and their life's history be played out in a television show. So I feel like there's got to be some stuff that's hitting kind of close to home. And well, I feel and, like and that's probably why this disclaimer was so important. And, the, and this season that they're currently in pertains specifically to the 80s. And during which I think that's when Princess Princess Diana died or, you know, she was alive and they're kind of going through what what she did. And that hits home to a lot of people who, you know, were saddened by by her death. I, for me, I think a lot of my disdain for the idea that this requires a fictional like disclaimer on it. To me, the royal family, I'm about to alienate a lot of British British uh, listeners. To me, the royal family might as well already be fictional. I don't understand the concept of having a royal family, like, to begin with. I don't... This is me acknowledging a lack of understanding of British government. I don't understand what their role is. I don't understand why they're talked about. I don't understand what the deal is. I think they're mostly just figureheads now. Like, I know they have the British Parliament, which does most of the stuff, but I think the royal family is still just kind of like the royal holdover from the last line of kings and queens. So they just honor them and... Ergo de facto, why does it matter 
if the truth of their existence is slightly embellished. And I'm not even sure that it is. I'm just saying that apparently someone, in this case, the culture secretary, is up in arms about this. Uh, and by the way, I want to mention, the culture secretary's name is Oliver Dowden, which might be the most British name on earth. Like, I think that might be why he was elected to that position. I, I, yeah. I, I I'm going to try opinion. to put this in perspective. Okay. Imagine if there was a television series outlining Beyonce and her life with Jay-Z and it was all fictionalized, yeah. but you know, you know, you know, you know, there'd be people up in arms about the way something is depicted. Now, you just said it was I, all fictionalized, but just want to put that out there. <laughs> like, I feel like not not comparing Beyonce to the royal family, but that's how people would react to a celebrity. Now, this is like the royal family. I, I, I mean, I get it. Okay, but counterpoint. Beyonce is the queen bee and is famous because of a couple of things. One, she's very attractive. I'm not, that's not the main reason she's famous, but that's one of them. The other reason, of course, being she's amazing. She's like a pop star beyond pop stars. She's an icon. She's contributed something to pop culture in a significant way that warrants fame. And I, I just don't understand the royal family. Like Queen Elizabeth. So I'm, I'm just going to cut you off before you put your foot further in your mouth. It's all the way down. Um let, we can look at real examples like Eight Mile, where they actually had that disclaimer in the movie that it's it's fiction. This isn't really his life. It's it's loosely based on things, and I, I think that's an, important to have in various art forms. That that hey, this isn't exactly what happened. Don't take this as a historical documentary. And the fact that it was lacking, in my opinion, was was a misstep on the show creators, in my opinion. Well, and I, I will say too. I mean, this argument goes both ways why is it such a big deal that the show creators don't want to put the disclaimer at the front of it just put a disclaimer at the front of it everyone can shut up it's a work right, of fiction and that, that's what Most i'm saying people know, but those a, that don't it's work of fiction that's what i'm saying i think it was a misstep it, it's obviously dramatized events and and the fact that they didn't have there was incorrect and and that's why it's being called out now right Beca- because it sounds like you know the creators aren't aren't claiming that it's this you know rigidly historically accurate so at that point i'm not sure whether or not you're like legally bound to put that disclaimer at the top but why don't you just do it why do you i don't know people people who are creators in this sense often are very protective of 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 their products and maybe just that disclaimer alone they feel tarnishes something i don't know what that could be so i guess the takeaway from this piece of news is that a i don't understand the royal family b there's a lot of hubbub over a very not big deal going on with this with, with, with the crowd and we'll see what happens but um i don't know I, I also i should note i still don't plan on watching the show i've heard it's really good though i will say i've heard it's amazing it's one uh, of those things where like it feels like i wouldn't like it and maybe maybe that's just me getting to that point in my life where i just need blind stupid entertainment and that's why i'm still watching dawson's creek because it's not well, real life i feel like right now i can't handle historical stuff who are we kidding i can't do seems, that right now well it seems dry and it also seems i feel like and this is going to sound really pessimistic but like more often than not historical fiction is not an upper and i i, I think that's that's what you were saying and i think in this case especially that 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 seems true I've also like, in terms of the dryness, 
this is not a good parallel to make, but like I tried watching the, the British office, which some people love, by the way, some people swear by it. They say it's better than the American office. I couldn't do it. It's too dry. And granted that's British humor, which is kind of different, but like it is bone dry. And I, I like most of my shows, even the dramas to have some kind of comical element. Uh, maybe I'll try it though. I don't know. I should, I should probably give it a chance. I'm probably about to earn the ire of many people on Twitter, as is my penchant. But yeah, The Crown is fictional, does not yet have a disclaimer as of this recording. So that brings us into the What Are You Up To Wednesday segment of the show. We're going to start with Tectic today. What do you have for us, my friend? So I finally buckled down and finished Watch Dogs completely. And after a couple updates, the the freeziness went away not completely every now and then it would it would boot me off but i've i've come to the theory so the game is about basically hack a hacker group and i've come to the theory that the glitches were a built-in mechanism by the game designers because it's a hacker themed game i hope all of your minds have been blown just now because i think that's a pretty solid theory so okay state that again i, I want to make sure i'm clear you think they built the bugs into the game yes Yes. Okay. Uh, that's a bold theory. I'm not going to say it's wrong, but it's, I mean, it well, that's like just what I'm it. saying to make myself feel better about the fact that it's still, after a number of updates, continued to freeze and kick me out. But all in all, I'd have to say it was it was a it was a decent game. Not I wouldn't say top five, but a decent game. It was it was entertaining. Good storyline. I was a hundred percent correct when I said the person who I thought it was a few episodes back when I first started playing it. So kind of predictable on that front, but all in all, you know, worth the time sunk into it. Didn't feel like I wasted a lot of time. How long collectively did you spend in the game? Probably about 30 hours. It's a decent chunk of time. Yeah. There's there's plenty to do um, just exploring the city, collecting various tech points to, to upgrade your gear, doing side missions, doing the story. So it, it'll definitely keep you busy. And that's why I don't feel like it was a waste like it right. was money well spent it i mean it was okay it was it was i'll give it a solid okay see i like this is watchdogs the original watchdogs which of course you're talking about legion but i got the original watchdogs for like five dollars and i i played it and i did not find it as captivating which okay so that's good information for me because like i've i bought this years ago for five dollars and i'm at a point now and when i'll talk about this when i get to my update but I'm going through in advance of, of the holiday when I'm I'm thinking I might get a couple of new games to play. I'm kind of doing some back cleanup now where I'm going through older games that I've had for a long time for the PS4 and and playing through them. And Watch Dogs, I've had it for so long. I've never even downloaded it onto the PS4. It seems like a game I should moderately enjoy. But it sounds like you're, war- implicitly at least, warning me off it, both by saying that Watch Dogs Legion was just okay and by saying Watch Dogs or the original wasn't as good you know that's transitive property tells me that it might not be worth my time but it was five dollars i mean i have very little to lose so i don't know plus i would hope the original wouldn't have the freezing problems that legion seems to the biggest difference between the original and legion was that in the original you felt like you didn't have much guidance to kind of muddle your way through the story whereas in the in legion it was very clear you know i got to do x y and z to, right to to reach abc and so you can do those things and, and it was easy to to set waypoints and understand your missions and and still do side things without getting totally lost in what the heck you're trying to do yeah and, and, I, and that's well, it how sounds I like you need that and i also need that 
so you're, I'm actually a big open wor- world person, but but there's there's a there's an elegant way to do it in my opinion. Right. I I I, th- I think I mean to me my point of reference in terms of open world besides Spider-Man, which I don't even know. I mean, that guess that kind of counts, but like Crackdown is the other game like that. That's open world where you're just kind of a guy running around that I played. And by the way, I loved Crackdown. I loved Crackdown and Crackdown 2. And I don't remember how guided that one was. I think it was fairly guided. I mean, Crackdown, you're basically just killing kingpins. You know, there's not much to it. Watchdog, I don't know how how it differs or not, but like there's definitely a, a, a two open world for me and it sounds like watchdog might be scraping that but good to know about legion anything else to report this week i attempted to to finish the last of us yes i attempted to finish that and i got swept into a new tinkering with tactic project instead okay no spoilers well that breaks my heart but uh thanks for the thanks for the update i, I guess i'm gonna i'm gonna take over and i'm gonna i'm gonna piggyback onto what you were just saying because i also for the first time in a while have a game update this week uh, that's kind of the bulk of my update is I finally dusted off one of the most like pre-maligned games ever in Battlefront 2, which I got for Christmas. I think it was back in 2017. It was years ago. And I started the camp, the first campaign mission and I didn't even get through it and I put it down. And if I could go back and tell 2018 Illegal 86 anything, I would say, great choice. Don't ever pick it back up. <laughs> um <laughs> Guys, I was not a fan of this campaign. It, it gameplay mechanic wise, it was fine. It was a very decisively average shooter experience. Story wise, just terrible. It was horrible. It was like it was a combination of unbelievably predictable and also let's cram in as many Star Wars characters and Star Wars world Star Wars worlds into places that do not fit. And also, let's combine as many trilogy elements as we possibly can. At one point, you're Princess Leia and you're fighting on Naboo. I get that Naboo exists in the time of Princess Leia, but there were a lot of baffling choices. And if the gameplay had been stronger, I could have gotten behind it. But not only was the gameplay not strong enough, the voice acting was horrendous. That's another thing. So the, Um, the game came out when she was alive still, right? Yes. So, like, I, was the voice acting, was it the original actors, or... No. 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 No, mm. no, no. Capital... No with a capital N. I mean, these voice actors, I don't want to I don't want to badmouth them. They, they tried. It, it's it's the same situation as with Avengers, right? You, you see and hear someone who's not... Who you know it is, and you hate it. You immediately hate it. And, and, like, with Star Wars, it's even more so than with Avengers, to me, is I hear Han Solo, and it's not Harrison Ford... And I'm immediately pulled out of it. And not only am I pulled out of it, I hate it. Uh, so I mean, it, Star Wars just has such a rich, deep history. I mean, you're literally talking decades of history with the same actors playing those characters. So it, it's, I can imagine that being super jarring. I don't well, think I ha- like that. And, and it has to do, too, with like, you know, back in back in the GameCube days or the N64 days, you know, that was fine because you were playing video games that were not, you know, striving for photorealism and, and you know, intense immersion. But now... That's what they're going for. And in order to get that, they have to get people. And they're never going to get people like Harrison Ford, but they need him. Or it's going to just ring false. And You know, it'd be fun if they blatantly kind of owned up to the fact that the visuals are right, but the voices are off. So, like, each one will be like, oh, some, some, <clears throat> uh, something's wrong with my throat. 
Right. Well, you know, and just kind of like make I, fun of it. I would almost rather, and it, to that point, I know you were making a joke, but like to that point, I would almost rather. No, they I'm go, being serious. It wasn't a joke. They go further away in terms of like they got a Han Solo, and they clearly just told the guy, "Okay, make sure you sound as much like Harrison Ford as you can." And you know, spoiler alert: the guy didn't sound that much like Harrison Ford. So then he's just doing a bad Harrison Ford impression, kind of the same way that Alden Ehrenreich was in in this the Solo prequel movie. Like it's just, I don't know. It's. Uh, <laughs> My problems with Battlefront 2 don't begin and end there. The story, the the surrounding story in which those characters were placed was also terrible. Um, but that was, you know, a very, a very jarring thing. Gameplay wise, it was fine. Like I said, I think the single best thing about it was that it was short. Like I finished it and I was like, I literally was like, thank God it's over. So shout out to EA. You suck. <laughs> um, <laughs> that that summarizes things for me. I'll turn it over to Nerd Bomber. So I did two things. The first was I watched Super Intelligence with Tectic. And this is a movie. It actually just came out. It's an HBO Max original starring Melissa McCarthy. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen maybe advertisements for this. I know there's been a lot of like big marketing push on like in between Hulu ads or YouTube ads and stuff like that. And a lot on like Facebook and social media. But the essential shtick is that I'm saying shtick a lot today, but I'm rolling with it. Melissa McCarthy, for whatever reason, an AI super intelligence that develops out of a teddy bear, decides to use Melissa McCarthy's character as basically a lens by which to learn and figure out what the human world is like and gives her three days to basically prove that humans are worth saving. And its three options are either It'll hand humanity the keys and the solutions to major problems like global warming and world hunger and stuff like that, or it will destroy humanity, basically, and wipe the slate clean and have it start all over again. And essentially, it basically wants to view how she'll handle love and getting her ex-boyfriend back and basically gives her good zillion dollars sets her up with her own company and basically gives her no holds bar to try to get her man back and that is essentially what the story is i don't want to get too much into it because then i think i'll start giving stuff away potentially but i mean i thought it was pretty cute it ended up being more of a rom-com than just a regular comedy i really did think it would be more of like i don't know i thought there would be more just straight comedy instead of like the romantic angle but that played very heavily into this movie so that is one thing to consider when you're basically looking for a, a movie to watch but overall i mean i thought it was funny for a streaming service original movie i thought it was actually pretty good i mean i could totally have seen this thing hitting theaters it had a pretty decent cast and i mean james corden played the super intelligence so i thought it was funny tactic i don't know did you have any thoughts about this movie i enjoyed it a lot considering we've been on a pretty dud spud potato uh, <laughs> spree with the movies we've been selecting on our various streaming services I mean, if you already have HBO Max, I mean, I don't think I would run out and subscribe to HBO Max specifically for this. But if you're going to get HBO Max because Wonder Woman's coming up, definitely check this movie out. Because, I mean, I think for an original streaming movie, it was big budget enough and entertaining enough to warrant two hours less of your time. So that was one thing. And then the other thing that I did was that I bought in in a fit of wine shopping, I was perusing and I... I Came across Call of Duty World War II while I was... No, not World War II. Wow, that that's an old one. Uh, Call old of Duty record. Cold War, Black Ops Cold War. 
And so it was not on the Black Friday sale that I was perusing. So I ended up paying full price because I was a few couple drinks of wine in and I was just like, you know what, let's do it. Let's see the next gen Call of Duty experience. So I've spent a little bit of time with both multiplayer and the single player campaign. Multiplayer wise, I'm actually having a lot of fun with it. Uh, It feels like we kind of went back to basics. A lot of the Black Ops titles were very fast paced jetpacky things and I know Call of Duty as a franchise has kind of stepped a little bit further away from the jetpack craziness in the last few installments so that kind of furthers that trend gunplay wise like I think the biggest difference to me and I think it actually makes me play better is the haptics and the trigger feedback because each different weapon that you pick up like a submachine gun has different trigger resistance than like a heavy machine gun and it it's actually pretty neat and you can actually feel in the controller like what direction the bullets and stuff like that and vibrations are coming at you from. So it's extremely immersive from a controller standpoint. I do think when I get into more competitive lobbies, the fact that I can't just like quickly tap the trigger does put me at a little bit of a disadvantage, but I think it's such a cool immersive feature that I'm very leery of turning it off. I I would rather have the fun experience to get killed a few more times. The single player campaign... I think is okay. So this is my first Call of Duty campaign, I think. Maybe my second. And everyone said that Call of Duty campaigns were like these super epic experiences. And like, I'm having fun with it. Sure. But I don't know. I think they've tailed off. The Modern Warfare series was really good in terms of epic campaign experiences. Like, yeah, yeah, like I feel like. I don't, I'm not a single character. You jump around, like you do fill out a character dossier where you get to pick features that do impact like different abilities that you have and different characteristics, which is kind of neat. But I feel like I'm doing a lot of jumping around between like memories in the past and current day. Right. And so story consistency wise, it's a little all over the place and I'm not a huge fan of that, but they did. There's like some interesting elements. I did not imagine that there would be stealth elements but i've played a few stealth missions that were actually more fun in my opinion because that's i guess mm-hmm. I, the kind of gameplay i like more than just like the things yeah it does and like there's puzzles that you have to figure out by gathering evidence in different missions so that's kind of cool i feel like they're trying to do something a little bit different and i just maybe the more i play like i'm only i think six missions in and i know there's like 15 or so so maybe the more i play the more i'll like get invested in the story but, I mean, the gameplay is super tight, so it's fun. So, lesson learned for everyone out there. Wine shopping. It's good, right? Yeah, I mean, honestly. <laughs> Do it. So, every year, the new Call of Duty comes out, and I'm like, I'm not going to buy this. It's the same and stuff every an year. entire bottle of wine. <laughs> and then I'm just like, here we go, $70 for Call of Duty. Let's do it. Hey, but I'm not, I'm not mad about it. I spend a lot of time in the game, so I'm not super mad about it. That's, that's all you can ask for, I guess. Sweet. Well, we had a lot of gaming updates today. We got we to gotta get to a quiz here. Uh, I got I to gotta trounce you at whatever the quiz topic is today. I don't know what it is. All right. So our quiz this week is car colors. So the way that I'm going to do this here is we're going to do lie detector. Good old game of lie detector because, you know, there are some really crazy car colors out there. So I really, I went through different years and different makes and models. And I I tried to find some really interesting car names that weren't just like sky blue. That is not one of the options here. And compiled a fun list and tried to make up some of my own. 
And what I'm going to do is we're going to do a first pass where I'm not going to tell you right away if it's real or fake, right? I'm going to say the name. You'll both tell me if you think it's real or fake. I'll go down the list. Then I'll identify which ones are fake and which ones are real because I just I don't want you guys to figure out the pattern. I feel like I'm really bad at coming up with a pattern and I don't want you guys to do that. I think that's fine. I think that's a good strategy. Let's do this. All right. So the first one and illegal, you'll start first with this first one and then you guys can alternate back and forth. The okay. first car color is pumpkin carriage orange. That is real. That is that is real. I'm going to go fake. I think you're coming right off the bat with the fakers. That's a All Disney right. tie-in. Someone, uh, one of the car companies did a Disney tie-in. Hondo the next one is paprika red pearl. That's real. I feel differently. That's fake. Okay, moving on to the third one. Light prairie tan. Yeah, fake again. Also real. Fake fake again. I, I, was, I was first that time. I'm going to say fake. So we answered the opposite at the same time. So far, we're completely opposite. So Tectic, you think this one's real? Yeah, it's real. Okay. The next one is chestnut pony tan. That's also real. That one is real. I'm going to agree with you for the first time. That one's real. Moving on to Dijon yellow. Uh, Real. Yeah, I'm going to say real as well. Next one is Racing Rosso. That one's tough. I'm going to go real again. Yeah, that one's real. Agreed. Moving on to Quasar Blue. Oh, fake. Fake. Yeah, that's fake. Neptunium. I hope that's real. I'm just saying real because I hope that's real. That one, no, that one's real for sure. And the final one, Jet Black Heart. That is real. That's fake. That's, oh no, that's absolutely real. I think I got 100%. I think I got all of them right. Feels so okay, confident. so I'm going to tally these up here. Illegal, you got a whopping two correct. Yes. And yeah. Tactic takes this one home by getting six of them correct. I so, regret nothing at all. <laughs> this shows me that I'm apparently really good at coming up with car names. So I'll just run down the list for you guys. Pumpkin Carriage Orange. Pearl? That one was fake. I made that up. Oh, man. The paprika red pearl was actually a color in the 2010 Subaru car line. Light prairie tan was a 1997 Ford color. Meanwhile, chestnut pony tan, I made that up. Dijon yellow, also very fake. And I picked that because Tectic has been on this Dijon mustard kick lately. So I thought he would get that. And uh, Not a kick, it's a lifestyle. I, he did not. Dijon's like barely yellow. It's, it's kind of yellow. It's a mustard color. Racing oh, Rosso. Oops, sorry. Go, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. I wanna, I'm want to. i trying to think about which ones I even got right. Hopefully, you know, because I've already lost track. Oh, I, I should I should have done that. That's fine. I got two of them right. doesn't matter. The, See, I, I thought the, the mustard one was you trying to make trick me into thinking that you made that one up. No. So the old double I, fake. I can run you through. So, so far, illegal, you have gotten none right up till now. Tectic, you got Pumpkin Carriage, Paprika Pearl, and Light Prairie Tan correct. So our sixth one was Racing Rosso, which you guys actually both got. That was a color in the 2019 Honda line. Hmm. Then Quasar Blue, you both thought was fake, but that was actually a 1991 GM color. Neptunium, you guys both got right. That is a real 2002 Nissan color. And then... Tactic got Jet Black Heart correct because that one is fake. I totally made that up as well. That felt like a Kingdom Hearts reference. That's why I said fake. I regret nothing. Hearing all those back, I have no regrets. Uh, Tactic, congratulations. Uh, You won soundly and my hat is off to you. I'm not wearing a hat, but if I was wearing one, it would be off to you. So you will be hosting next week and hopefully we will be seeing everybody next week or, or 
we will be talking to everybody next week. I guess we won't be seeing you because we don't ever see you. I'm looking straight into a microphone right now. My eyes are actually crossed. But we thank you all for joining us. That's been another fantastic episode here in December. We're going to finish out the year strong. Hopefully we have you with us. Uh, if you're so inclined, you can head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. We'd love to see you there. And uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter. We already mentioned the handles a few times. We'd love to hear from you. So thanks again for listening, and we will see you all next week.